Well, I want to welcome back Kevin Luco here on Systematically Wild. And, and Kevin, I, I guess we're going to stick with the Iowa Wild early on because we've been rolling with them since that Rockford victory that you and I were at. And they keep at least earning points every time they go out. So Iowa Wild continue to roll, uh, have a streak now of 10 consecutive games with earning at least one point, 8-0-2 during that time. This team is just really looking like something you and I have been expecting for a couple of years, finally coming to fruition. You know, and we had our doubts at the beginning of the year with this roster, the way it was built, that we were wondering where the goals were going to come from. And you couldn't have told me on opening night that if Sammy Walker was going to lead this team by far in goals. But, boy, what a what a fantastic beginning of to his professional career, even getting a bit of a stint up with Minnesota. I mean, I don't know where, where this team would be without him. Yeah, absolutely. He, he has just been, I, I think, you know, he's one of those guys you feel like got signed at the last moment kind of thing. Like, oh, that's a nice pickup, you know, but we're approaching 17 goals now for this guy right now. And that is, that's just, you know, this is not an easy league to play in. There's some outstanding young goaltenders here. 18 goals now, I should, should say. With a, Actually, two goals tonight, so we've got 19 now. Um, a, a, a guy that just came out of nowhere, as far as I I, I saw, and I, I absolutely am impressed by him. So uh, a, a credit to Tim Army for coming up with a guy like that to, to really fill a roster and seeing something in him where he could be a, a prime scorer for the club. And, you got to watch him a little bit there at the University of Minnesota, and he really is living up to expectations, I would assume. He scored more goals in about the same amount of games he would have played in the season in the NCAA level. I don't think he ever scored more than 11 or 12 goals for Minnesota. And, you know, maybe he was a draft pick at Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay didn't sign him, and Minnesota did. So maybe... There was a little bit of motivation there to kind of show the Tampa Bay brass that they missed out on signing him, and maybe that was a spark he needed to really get his career going in the right direction. Well, let's look back at the week a little bit here, Kevin. Big 2-1 victory over Rockford on Tuesday night that actually moved the team at that point ahead of the, uh, of the Ice Hogs in the standing. Jeffrey Valstead was fantastic in the game, stops 24-25 shots. It's just the kind of game we've seen from this team. They're, they, you know, It's a very close contest. They get a goal from Marco Rossi late in the second period. Uh, Rockford ties the score early in the third, and then it goes to overtime where Nick Patan, who's just been ungodly good in overtime, comes up with a, a goal two minutes into the into the extra session out there. But but it's like this team just hangs around, you know, wait, waiting for kind of an opportunity, and then all of a sudden they win games. I, it's just I, I like that style of play where you feel like they're never out of a game. And I, I, I think it just goes with. Um the confidence you get from building up the streak that they've had too, that they don't ever feel like they're out of a game and they don't really panic if they go into an overtime situation. You Unlike know, one of the teams we're going to be talking about a little later. <laughs> you know, Kevin, when you talk about the performance of goaltenders, you know, sometimes a, a goaltender is just benefiting off of, you know, the, the, the team scores five goals for them or, or whatever. So they, they can give up two, three goals and, and still get a great performance. But one thing you got to give credit to Volstead out there is he's winning a lot of two-to-one and three-to-two games. I mean, he really is the reason why they're winning games. And you got to love that out of your net, Mike. And I think it does help the guys up front, too, knowing that, you know, if we make a mistake, if we don't pick up a guy, if we give up an on-man rush, uh, more times than not, our goaltender is going to save our hide. 
Thursday night, Coachella Valley comes to the fir- for the first time to Des Moines. Uh, they jump out to a 2 nothing lead in the second period. Nick Patan comes back and with Adam Beckman. Both of them get goals to tie the score, sending this game to overtime. Unfortunately, uh, the Firebirds come out with a win, defeating Zane McIntyre. Played very well in this contest, saved 30 of 33 shots. Uh, again, Nick Patan had a goal in the game. So did Adam Beckman. Sammy Walker with an assist in the contest. It was one of those games where they're, they're out there battling. And, you know, you don't really know what to expect when you haven't seen a team like this in person. I mean, you can watch film, but it's a little different when you're watching them up live to you. So, you know, I thought Coachella Valley entered on a 14-game uh, point streak for them. So this wasn't a team that you look at and go, wow, I can't believe we lost to them. That's a pretty good club. They knew it was going to be a team where you're going to have to go into the game and play your A game if you're expecting to come out with some um, points. And, no, I would took them to overtime. So it was a show. It was a pretty, pretty evenly matched game. On Saturday night, um, the Firebirds jump out to a one nothing lead. Sammy Walker and Joe Hickett score to give the Wild the lead at 2-1. to um, The Coachella Valley able to, re- to tie the score up eight minutes into the second period, but that was all Iowa Wild after that. Sammy Walker scores at 18-22, followed by, I'm going to say this name ter- terribly here, Kevin. So is it, Andre, is it Andre Sustra? Is that the way that's said? Suster? Schuster. Schuster, it is, man. I should know that by the little baseball part of it. Okay, awesome. He gets his second goal with the club. The defense has really been a big key, I think, for this, Kevin, and we'll talk about this right now. Is You know, for a while, it was Joe Hicketts, and you hoped that somebody else, you know, gave you a point or two off that blue line. But, man, they're, all of a sudden, that, that group is really starting to play well, and you could see Iowa getting a little more confidence offensively. I tell you, Schuster is a very large man, man. <laughs> I was watching the replay of his goal. And it's just kind of funny. He's um, leaning up against the glass um, behind the net celebrating. It was like almost looked like a bunch of kids were coming in to celebrate with him because he just towered over everybody. You are right about that. Ballstead winds up earning the victory out of there. And, and fans, let's give a little, little credit out there to Kevin Loco. You, you said this was going to be the guy. Seven straight victories for him. He's allowed two or fewer goals in every one of those games, eight total goals over those seven contests. This guy really looks for real. I, I, man, I, I could see him up in, up in Minnesota a year from now or maybe even earlier than that. I think it would take an injury at this point. I believe Minnesota's goalie situation is pretty solid for this year and next year. But, you know, and, and hey, that's, a, that's ideal. And then he's just... As they're saying up in Minnesota among the media, they might just end up overcooking them with Iowa before they beat them in Minnesota, which that will obviously be to Iowa's benefit. And it was, I thought it was kind of fun. They showed a video of it was late in the game against Coachella Valley, and I guess they're playing um, Beat It in the arena. They show Vaulted and his trees just dancing along to it. Just, no worries in the world. I thought the the matchup with Coachella Valley was pretty feisty considering the two teams that aren't divisional rivals at all. So mark that one in your calendar when the Wild go out there in March. Yeah, you're right about that. A lot of tension in those games and surprising. And it's not even that they're not in the same division, never even faced each other before. But obviously wanted to, each, each team wanting to try to set some kind of tone for what – 
what the opponent could expect out of them. And I, I thought that was a very interesting dynamic of the game. I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you. I thought, good for them. Go out there and show those firebirds. Douse those firebirds, Kevin, is what I say. Well, I guess we're forced to, Kevin. Let's talk a little bit about the uh, Iowa Heartlanders. Uh, another tough week for this club. And uh, yeah, we're, we're going to stay on the positive note about this. But they, they were battling very hard in those games. Very tough uh, start to the week with a, a tough loss on Friday night to Fort Wayne who came away with a 5-2 victory. But club turns it around over the weekend. They, they lose both those games. But at least one goal games earned a point out of it on, on Sunday. So, um, you know, they're battling, Kevin. And that's all you get to ask all these guys right now. But, you know, I actually did get a chance to sit down and watch a game on Sunday. I hate to say it with this team, but right now you're – you watch, and they have a lead late, and you're just like, you're expecting when something bad's going to happen. Instead of hoping for the best, you're just like, okay, when's it going to happen? In this case, they gave up a shorthand goal. Now, Hunter Jones played all three games and played very well, and he deserved a better fate. So... You know, I imagine the Minnesota Brass is probably a little happy about that, too, that he's playing well at the UCHL level and he's getting plenty of game action. But you'd like to see him get rewarded for his efforts. But, you know, I was watching the overtime, and I'm not saying Fort Wayne played that much better in it, but you can definitely tell the difference between an ECHL overtime and an NHL overtime. Um, the NHL guys are just so much smarter about keeping possession of the puck. I think there was some Iowa forward, I believe he was in the zone and towards the end of the shift, and he just dumped the puck in. And you just don't do that when you're playing three-on-three three because you might not see that puck again if the other team manages to connect on a play and um, get a two-on-one or a breakaway. So, you know, those are just the things I guess I was going to have to – keep on learning. I know they're going out and picking up some more experienced players and good on that, that, you know, they're not just sitting there taking their lumps. They are trying to do things to make the club better, but boy, it's just, it's got to be really frustrating for the fans to watch right now. Yeah, yeah, I'll say I've watched a lot of overtime hockey in the ECHL, and I've seen a club hang on to the puck for and this is not an exaggeration. I've seen a team get it, get the puck and have it for like three and a half minutes. You know, they're skating around. They're looking for that opportunity. They take a shot. It winds up being saved. It goes to the opposite side where another guy from their team picks up the puck. They're skating around looking for that golden opportunity to get a good shot on that. I mean, you can wind up continuing the puck possession, and so you just can't give that thing up like that. I mean, that, that's just – I mean, it, it becomes keep away after that. So – um you're right. The, the team needs to be a little smarter. And unfortunately, overtime has just really been brutal for this club. They lost eight of the last nine overtime games. You think, wow, if you even come away with half those victories, uh, I mean, maybe four or five points isn't that much of a difference to you. But I think for a young club like this, it's a huge difference. And, and you feel like you're, you have an opportunity to come away with some wins. But um, the, I think that the psychological pressure on this team right now. I, I can't imagine what that's like when they get into the overtime right now. they got to really be feeling it. Yeah, definitely um, gripping the sticks a little tight. 
as you mentioned, Hunter Jones looked very good both Saturday and Sunday. I mean, 45 saves on Sunday, uh, a single game high for him. We've been waiting for him since season one to kind of get back to that form. He looked very good for the Iowa Wild a few years ago when he joined the club and as a pure rookie and played exceptionally well for the team, especially in those last 10 games of the season for them. And has been kind of waiting for that. He finally, I, I feel like I, putting him in for three games, you might look at that and go, well, that's asking a lot of a young goaltender, but this is a guy you want to be your number one guy. If he's really going to be an NHL goaltender, you've got to believe that he's going to come out and give you 60 games, let's just say, for example. He might have some, some weekends like this or something. So I think it was important for him to get those three games. And, and the fact that he looked better with each passing game, I think, says, hey, look, give this guy the work. It's kind of crazy, yeah. His best game in the three was the third one in three days. Absolutely. I, it got sharper as the week went along. And I, I understand, you know, probably had a lot of rust because, uh, he, you know, he's going back and forth and not really – hadn't played at all before that three-game series for a couple of weeks. You know, it was Kozlowski and, and uh, Kaspersky that were getting the, the games, and he didn't get any. And now he's back, and they were like, look, we'll give you all weekend long. And, man, I, I thought he performed well. I, you know, let this guy – for me, if, if I'm the, the, Iowa, the, the Iowa, um, Iowa Heartlanders and the Minnesota Wild, I'm looking at this and going, hey, if this guy can give us – you know, we're 30 games left. If he'll give me 24, 23 right now, I'll give it to him. Uh, you, you will play as much as you can. I, I think he'd be good for it. So go Hunter That's what we say. Uh, let's quickly talk about the upcoming week for the club here, Kevin. So Iowa travels on, back out on the road now, traveling to Wheeling on Friday and Saturday, then heading to Fort Wayne after a tough weekend against them this last weekend on Sunday. Uh, the Heartlanders at this point coming in at 7:22 and 10. Wheeling is currently in fourth place at 19:17 and 4. Fort Wayne just on the outside of that. They're tied with a number of points, but have played two fewer games and have one less win at 18, 14, and 6. So they could easily jump over Wheeling. Uh, both those teams are obviously going to be needing these points. So if you're Iowa, this is a great opportunity to play spoiler if you, once you're heading out here on the road. No doubt. And, you know, at this point, too, there's can't be that much pressure on the club because I think you almost have to resign yourself to the fact that you're not going to be a factor in the postseason. So, you know, just go out there and play your best game and – see what happens and once again with this team being in the division they're in the the, the travel is just brutal and it's going to be again this weekend so it's going to take a great deal of resolve for this team to go out there deal with the travel and then try to put a couple of good games together i did forget to mention before we jump down to the heartlanders iowa wild in third place in the central division at 21 14 and 6 uh, they have Texas tonight, as, as Kevin and I are talking here, is still tied at four at this particular time. Uh, then have a – remain in, in uh, Austin for a game on Wednesday night before traveling on to Rockford and then having Chicago a, a week from this Friday. So five consecutive games on the road, all of those division games, all against teams that uh, – Rockford is in t Texas in particular. You're battling for playoff spots out there. So great contest for – for Iowa, 10-game point streak if they should get, at least get this game to overtime or win tonight. How many How many games do you think before this team finally loses one in overtime? How far are we going to get? Uh, boy, put me on the spot here. Um, 
the law of averages have to kick in. And, you know, I'd love to see him run, obviously, um, as long as he can. But that's um, going to be some tough travel with um, still being in Texas for another game and then going all the way up to Rockford from there. So I'd have a feeling they're going to they're gonna drop one of those two if they don't drop this one tonight. I think that's a good observation, Kevin. Um, so even on the spot, Kevin comes up with a good observation because Texas – Kevin and I were talking about before the show began here is uh, the 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 valley of death for whatever reason. This they just really know how to play the wild well, and so um, tough to win two games or even come away with two points, uh, a single point in each of those games. So should be a tough going for him. But we we have faith in our team, so we'll we'll give that. Let's move on to the big club, Kevin. And so the Minnesota Wild uh, suffer a four-two loss in Tampa. On Tuesday, return home with a victory in overtime over Philadelphia, then a victory in a shootout over Buffalo. Nice way to return home uh, and, and come away with two victories. And more importantly, it's um, two straight wins going into your week break where you're off for the week, including the all-star break. So you definitely want to have some momentum going into that, and the Wild got it with the with, uh, Overtime win on Thursday, and then the shootout win on Hockey Day, Minnesota, on Saturday night. Special teams were were great in the loss against Tampa Bay. Shorthanded goal for Joel Erickson Eck. Uh, then um, Kaprizov scores a power play goal to make it two to one. Unfortunately, not able to really shut down Tampa Bay. Very good club. Not taking anything away from them, but you have a two to one lead. Tampa Bay, though, able to come back with a late goal in the second period and put two more up late in the third to come away with that victory. Kind of a tough loss because you feel like you, you could have got a point, at least a point out of that, I would think. And, you know, the consensus was that Minnesota played a very good game, but there was a couple untimely penalties, one that led to a goal and one that that uh, led to them having to kill off a penalty down by one goal late, so... Um, Matt Hartman was the victim of that particular penalty, and that earned him a night off on Thursday. But overall, I felt like Minnesota played a good game in Tampa Bay, but just didn't get the result they wanted. On Thursday night, uh, they wind up falling behind by a goal. Matt Boldy, though, comes up with two goals to give the team the lead, including one on the power play. Tony D'Angelo scores late in the third period to tie the game up. But Matt Zuccarello, with a his 19th goal of the season, 2:08 into overtime, gives Minnesota a 3-2 victory. Well, you, you could have had a kind of a disappointing loss, or you know, uh, a feeling about that game, giving up the goal late, but you come away with the victory. So, not a bad way, regardless, I guess. Pretty interesting game. We had um, three fights within 15 seconds in the first period, and then another one. Um, early in the second period. So you could tell that both teams are a little frustrated with their game and just wanted to create a spark. You know, you mentioned Matt Boldy's two goals. Um, he could he missed the net. He had a wide-open net for his third goal, but missed the net. And uh, thought for sure he had even one fan even threw the, his or her um, hat on the ice thinking that he had got the hat trick, but... They gave up a goal late to tie the game, but it's um, Zuccarello, just uh, just a highlight real goal to win it for Minnesota. And 
overtime. Yeah, you know, I'm curious. I, I I don't really think these teams have bad blood between them. There. What 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 do you think was was it just frustration about where they're at right now, or I think that was what, it. What, 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 both teams have been struggling. You know, the first fight was um, was Nick Delorier, who played for Minnesota last year, and Ryan Reeves. So, you know, the heavyweights got together. I think there's a lot of respect between the two guys, and so they got their fight out of the way. And the other fights just seem to happen organically. That both teams are just kind of on edge, not um, happy with the way they're playing. Well, Buffalo comes to town on a five-game winning streak, Kevin, and jump out to a one-nothing lead. But Joel Erickson Eck with a power play goal to tie that game up. Once again, Buffalo retakes the lead. Now let's remember that this was a crazy, wild overtime loss a couple weeks ago, where you and I were, I think, at the uh, Rockford, Iowa wild game, and it was back and forth all game long. Um, I think eventually six five that game ended or some of that. This two two tie coming out of the second period. Remain that way through the third and overtime, but Minnesota comes away with three goals in the shootout to earn the victory. And uh, man, you, you got you got to like the performance, especially after kind of a tough loss in Buffalo a few weeks ago. I thought Minnesota just did a really good job of shutting down the the big players on Buffalo, and it kept the game from becoming a shootout because there's just a, so much talent on that. Buffalo Club right now. It's a team that could make a serious playoff run. But uh, Mark Flory was excellent in goal again. And, you know, uh, Jared Spurgeon, they finally got a five on five goal with um, Spurgeon's goal in the second period on a great feed by Fred, Freddie Gaudreau. And then the shootout, um, Zuccarello makes it one nothing. Tage Thompson, the superstar for Buffalo, just had a filthy shootout goal against Marc-Andre Fleury to tie it at one, but then Kaprizov gets a lucky bounce off the crossbar, off the goal, he's back into the net, and Freddie Gaudreau um, gets his second game-winning shootout goal of the season. So big win on Hockey Day in Minnesota, just an incredible crowd there that, that night. You know, 8 o'clock start, over 19,000 people on hand, So and just a real well-played hockey game. So. So just a really entertaining night at XL Energy Center. And like I said, Minnesota goes into the week-long break on a good note. Flurry with 29 saves in that game. He's given up two or fewer goals in three of his last five starts. How are you feeling as you look at his play, especially recently, as the team is a few months away from getting under the playoffs here? And does he look like he's the guy that could lead them to a Stanley Cup right now? Well, you know, you don't like to use the S word when it comes to the playoffs, especially given Minnesota's propensity for not getting all the first round. But you have to feel good about the goaltending situation between Fleury and um, Philip Guskison has played well when he's had an opportunity. But now I think Minnesota gets into a precarious position with Guskison because he's played once, I think, in the last five or six games, and now he's going to be off for a week with the with the team having a week off. So where do you slot him again before you start worrying about him being rusty? Well, that's going to be an interesting question, Kevin, because the team, as you said, off for this week, do not play again until a week from today uh, when they travel to take on Arizona, then travel to Dallas, then a big seven-game homestand starting with Vegas the next night on Thursday. And so 
you're going to get a lot of games in in February as as the months move along. A couple of back-to-back nights for the club, a lot of home games. Um, uh, this seems like nine of your 13 games are at home in February. If you're looking to make a serious move to, to solidify your playoff spot, this looks like the month you need to do it. Yeah, I would say so. And, uh, you know, I'm looking at the pulling up the schedule here as I think on the fly. You know, you got uh, you got a stretch where, like, um, six games in a row, starting with Dallas on the 8th and concluding with Dallas on the 17th. You got a six-game stretch, and five of them are against teams that are solidly or on the edge of being. Well, I would just say all six games are against potential playoff teams. Doesn't get easier than the 19th of Nashville coming in. They're right on the border of being a playoff team. Then you got LA coming in. They're a playoff team. Gets a little easier. You got a home end. You got two games in four days against Columbus, but sandwiched between the trip to Toronto. So a lot of games at home, but they're going to be against um, a lot of good competition too. So. You just can't rely on home ice to get you through. You're going to obviously have to play your A game against these clubs if you want to come out with points. And so Minnesota, third in the division, 27-17-4. As you mentioned, some of those games, they're going to have Colorado coming to town, who's right now is technically fourth in the division, 27-18-3. Nashville, as you mentioned, will be coming to town. They're in fifth right now in the division, 24-18-6. Uh, even Arizona that they're going to be facing after when uh, when they come out of the break is in seventh place in the division, 16, 28, and 6. You know, that they're 20 points out of a playoff spot at this particular point, but a team with a lot of heart, and, and as you said, that you know, uh, they have uniforms too. You know, they want to come out there and win games and play spoiler for a team, and so you know that they're going to give their best effort, and they've given Minnesota some tough games here. So while this looks like it could be an opportunity to really stretch out a lead or to, you know, to do something, but you, you get your work cut out for you every night in this division. No doubt about it. It's um, it's definitely not a soft underbelly of the schedule, that's for sure. Well, halfway point, let, let's talk about here. So uh, with, the, with the all-star break here, um, what stands out for you, this team, and, and what, what, what definitely, what's a surprise to you? What's something you would like to see drastically improve? I'd like to see more five-on-five five scoring. This team has... You worried about it after last year. You wondered if a lot of guys had career seasons. And right now, there's just, you know, I got to think of uh, Matt Hartman and Marcus Foligno. You know, they both had what Hartman had, like 34 goals, something like that last year. Foligno had over 20 goals. Right now, they're nowhere near that pace. Um. I think uh, Freddie Gaudreau and Matt Boldy have a good thing going, but boy, they could use a, they could use another good scoring winger on that line. And then I think um, there's still got to be a question mark on the first line with Sam Steele as the center. It was working for uh, quite a while, but it seems like Steele has flatlined a bit. So I'd like to see Matt Hartman try to find that magic of last year and get him elevated back up to the first line with Caprice off and Zuccarello and get that magic going and maybe get them going on 
scoring more five-on-five goals, too. What's a surprise for you this season? What, what's really kind of jumped out at you? Hmm. I think just how much the defense has improved just even since the beginning of the season. It was getting to be quite a concern between the goaltending and the defense blowing assignments in their own zone and not being able to move guys out of the slot. and just wondered where the season was going, but, boy, they really turned things around, and Minnesota's been pretty stingy against um, some really good teams this year. Yeah, I have to say that that's one thing that, you know, you and I were talking early in the season, they're giving up five and six goals in games. Games of the, you know, you thought, man, they should be shutting these opponents down, but really have tightened up the game and didn't sacrifice a lot of offense to do so. You know, sometimes when you decide to play that defensive game, you wind up losing your scoring touch, but uh, it, it's it's pretty impressive how they've been able to still play their game and play better defensively. So hats off to the coaching staff on that, I think. Oh, definitely. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of work that goes into work with the guys, showing them film, showing them where they've where they may have made some mistakes, and then going out and learning from that on the ice. Absolutely. At this point, who's your who's your MVP for the team so far? Well, it's a no-brainer. Definitely got to be Kirill Kaprizov. Um, he's once again shown why he is one of the the premier offensive players in the entire NHL. And I just like his overall game because I watch him, especially when I watch him live, that he just, there's just never a puck battle he'll ever give up on. You think he doesn't have the puck, but he'll just go in and just somehow the puck always winds up on his stick. And I think a player just that good, I think it just makes everybody that much better around him too. Well, Kevin, since we're here at the All-Star break, let's, let's close out the show with, it doesn't have to be Minnesota Wild, it could be Minnesota North Stars if you wanted to. B- biggest All-Star moment you remember from Wild or North Stars history? How about I got to be honest with you, I really can't answer this question because I'm just not an All-Star game person as far as NHL goes, so... I'm going to deviate from that. I want to talk a little bit about Hockey Day Minnesota and how big of a success that was once again this year as the outdoor games were held in sub-zero temperatures in White Bear Lake with um, one girls and um, two boys high school games being played there. We had the Minnesota Gophers um, playing at Mariucci Arena and sweeping the Michigan State Spartans and then the main event in St. Paul and just an all, you know, for someone home for the day. It's just a great day of hockey all around, and another success. And next year it goes all the way up to War Road, where I can guarantee you the, they won't have any trouble making outdoor ice. So can't wait to see um, what next year brings. But Minnesota just, I don't know the record offhand. I want to say it's like like um, 12-2-1 or something in Hockey Day Minnesota games. They just hardly ever lose. So next year, if you're looking for a game and you want to see a win, um, more than likely um, try to get your mitts on some Hockey Day Minnesota tickets for the Wild game in St. Paul. 
There's a reason why Minnesota is the state of hockey. That's Absolutely. right. Kevin Luco, thanks for joining us this week. My pleasure.